Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. Come on, you can do better than that. Good evening, everybody. Hello, family. Are you ready for a, are we going to have a great evening together? I know it's warm, but we're going to make it even warmer. Amen. So welcome to our Christmas celebration. I know there's many people still outside with the photo booth making their way in and just enjoying the outside space also. So, uh, but we're going to have a great time together this evening. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have tonight of coming together and celebrating Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And we pray, Lord, that this will not just be a, a fun evening, an evening of just a great time together and fellowship, but also an evening where we lift up the name of Jesus and bring glory to your name. And therefore, we ask that you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our habit as a family that on Christmas Eve, we do the time where we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus, particularly with handing out of gifts. And how we normally do that is actually this afternoon we, we drew names and we do a bit of a secret Santa thing. And I think this year we're allowed to each spend 200 rand. So not a lot of money, but uh, and then you buy the person that you are going, you know, you've drawn their name, you buy them a little gift and uh, just uh, we give it th that night. But before we do that, we normally have a light meal together with some ice cream, of course, at the end of it. And uh, then we would sit down, and it's our habit that I would then take a portion of the Scripture, uh, one of the Gospels and the accounts, and a portion of the account of the story of the birth of Christ, and we'd read it, and then we would pray together as a family. So tonight, I want to include you in our habit. Is that okay? And just do a little bit of that together with you, and read the Scripture, and just make a few comments. And the Scripture I would like to go to this evening for us to read together is the version of a portion of the story of the birth of Christ from Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we read the following, and I'm going to read down to verse 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in, clothes, in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on peace, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, this story that we have often heard so much, I want to focus a little bit to start with on this idea of this host of the angels, this beautiful choir of the angels proclaiming this glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think it would be appropriate for us to ask this question, what did they mean when they said on earth peace? Because I don't know if you've looked around, considered just what's going on in the world right now and what's been going on for since this proclamation was made. It doesn't really feel like we've got peace on earth, does it? 
I mean, probably in the last hundred years or so, we've, some, we've seen some of the most violence done by mankind on earth. We've seen two world wars. We continue to see just struggles between nations and peoples and many that are losing their lives. Right now, we have the situation going on in Israel, in the Middle East, and we continue to see that which does not quite look like peace on earth. And it doesn't seem to be that we are getting closer to any form of peace on earth. So what were they talking about when they were proclaiming and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests? I think it's worthwhile to consider that. I know every year when Miss Universe or Miss World wins her crown, it's her objective that in that year she's going to solve all the problems and bring peace on earth. But here the angels proclaimed it and they seem to have spoken something that they really believe to be true, but yet we go, where is this peace? So what is this peace all about? Having recently listened to the late Tim Keller speak about this, he answers this and he says, well, perhaps the first thing that we should understand in trying to figure out what is this peace that they're talking about is that they're probably not talking about international peace or peace between nations. That probably what they're not referring to as peace on earth is that in some way, suddenly, harmony and, and, and just people will get along and no nations will try and impose their will on any other nation and that suddenly we will just have peace on earth. That probably isn't what they're referring to when they talk about peace on earth. Perhaps also what they're not referring to is some form of inner peace. That suddenly because Jesus is born, we will achieve some sense of just calm and, and inward and emotional stability, all of us. So if it's not international or multinational peace that we're talking about, if it's not just some sense of, you know, everything's okay, there's nothing that upsets us anymore, nothing that stretches us out, then what is this peace that he's talking about? Jesus, as it was mentioned earlier, said this in John 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is, is saying that he's coming into this world to bring the light and to be the light because this world is in a state of darkness. This world is in a state where it's not supposed to be. And so he refers to there's something not quite right. And that's why he had to come and be the light, to bring hope, to bring light, to, to change the situation that we find ourselves in. In John 1 verse 5, John writes this about Jesus. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And perhaps here he's referring to something that may give us an idea of what is this peace that God is talking about. And right here he mentions this idea that there's a conflict. That the real lack of peace that we struggle with on earth is not firstly a peace or lack of peace or an animosity between people. Between different people groups, between different nations. That's not the first place where we are finding a lack of peace. The first place where we have a lack of peace is that we are not at peace with God. That the human situation, this darkness that we find ourselves in, is because man is actually 
at war with God. That we have an animosity towards God. That, and we've been speaking about this in our, in our series about being free indeed over the last couple of weeks, that we have actually walked away from God as human beings and our sin is this total state of rebellion and the state of disorder where we have removed God from the throne and we have put ourselves on the throne and we have said, we will have our way, we will rule, we will say what is right and wrong. And that is, this has brought us into conflict with God. And so the primary war that is raging in the earth and the, the real war that Jesus came to bring peace to was the war between man and God. In Psalm 2, for instance, it mentions how the nations rage against God. Now, we live in a reasonably civilized world, and perhaps you would look around at people and think, well, I don't really think people are at war with God. Because here and there, there are people that would shake their fist at God. Here and there, there are people that would say that they, they have a problem with God. But most people generally just live as if they don't care about God. Most people, to them, God is, is, a, is a nice story that perhaps this time of the year, they, they expect to, to sort of hear about this idea of a God. But mostly their lives, they live pretty disinterested, not really caring about God. But you and I have to understand, if God is God, then that in itself is warfare against God. Because you are saying, he doesn't really deserve our attention. He certainly is not worthy of our worship or our adoration or us giving our lives to him. If he's there, it's nice, but who really cares? And that in itself, that's, that apathy towards God in itself is being at war with God. Not having peace with God. And it is in that space where Jesus comes and he says, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to switch on the light for you to show you that there is a God that loves you. There is a God that created you. There is a king. There is a Lord that you owe your love and your devotion towards. I'm going to switch the light on and show you. And more than that, what I'm not just going to do is switch the light on, is I'm going to make it possible for you to end your rebellion against God and come into right relationship with you, with Him. To end all hostilities and to come into a relationship of peace with God. Now, I don't know if you've noticed in history that whenever a king's rule is threatened, whenever a, a man of power or a kingdom of power is wanting to extend their kingdom or bring people under their authority. The way they normally do it is they would come with their army or with their military power or with their economic power and they would force their rule on people. They would make people come under their rulership. And this is where we find our father that is so very different. Because the, the truth is we're at war with him and he wants to establish peace. He needs to, for our sake, establish his rulership over us again. But instead of arriving with an army, instead of coming and threatening us or forcing us, instead of brokering some peace deal that he compromises and we compromise a little bit and, and we enter into some space where perhaps we can live with one another, instead of this God arriving on the scene and saying, you need 
to serve me, he does this most amazing thing. And he comes, and in a sense, he puts a baby before us. And he says, I've come to give you peace. And this peace, the sign of this peace, is this little baby. This baby that does not threaten anybody. That does not cause anybody to, when you see the baby, go, okay, I better submit to God. I better, I better make sure that I end my war, my hostilities with God. He just he puts the baby and he says, peace on earth. If you accept my offer, you will have peace with me. And this is the baby Jesus that comes to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all those on whom God has favor. Who does God have favor on? Those that come and say, I receive your gift. I will take your gift and I will end my war with you. Not because you've subjugated me or because you have forced me, but because you have extended out a hand of love and of grace towards me. And I receive your gift. That is the peace that we read of in Luke chapter 2. That is the peace of which the angels sang. Now does that mean there's no, no international peace possible? Does that mean there's no real inner peace that God is wanting to establish within us? No. Those things are all a result of the conflict we have with God, that there is no peace. And therefore, the only opportunity for us to have peace on earth in terms of perhaps between peoples and even peace within ourselves is if we first of all recognize that we need to be at peace with God. That's why Jesus said the following in Matthew 10. He said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Now, this is an interesting Situation because on the one hand, we have the scripture and the angels proclaiming peace on earth. And, and it's Jesus is referred to as the prince of peace. Come to earth to establish peace. But here the scripture says, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to turn a man against his father. A daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now this doesn't really sound very peaceful because it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, I, I've come to make the conflict worse. I've come to make the battle rage even more closely than you've ever felt it before. Perhaps you, you've seen the battle out there, but now you'll feel it in your own family. What is Jesus saying when he says that? Is he saying there is no such thing as peace? We must just give up on the idea of peace? No, what he's saying is to recognize that there is a conflict. And there are two sides to this conflict. Those that recognize God's rulership and come at peace with him, and those that don't. There's only one God. There's only one that rules the universe. There's only one that created us, that loves us. That desires for us not to serve him because we're afraid of him, but to serve him because we love him, because we choose to. But if you choose to not serve that God, if you choose to stay in the battle against God, that battle will continue to rage in your life. You will continue to see the conflict of that battle. And that line, that dividing line, may even be in your own family. 
the, the battle is not between people groups. The battle is between those that choose to be at peace with me, God says, and those that choose to be at war with me. That battle will continue. And you and I must understand as believers that that battle will, will rage till the end of the days, till Jesus comes again, till every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. That battle will continue to rage. But you and I, we can choose to let that battle end in our lives. The last scripture I want to read is 2 Corinthians 6, where Paul talks a little bit to the Corinthian believers about the reality of this. And he says the following, do not be, be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Earlier we mentioned that scripture. Where Jesus said on the one hand as I read earlier, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world? We can only be the light of the world because we've come to peace with God. Because His light is shining upon us. We have come to understand. We've been illuminated. We have received the understanding that God is who He says He is. And we have chosen to believe that. And once we've believed that, we have entered the light. And then the light can shine through us. But we still live in a dark world, in a world that will choose not to receive that light. And we are called to be the salt of that world, to be in contact with that world, to be in this world, to be compassionate, to be kind to this world, to love the people of this world, but never to be part of this world. We cannot become darkness to save darkness. You have to be the light. And that light is because I've accepted the Lord Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my King. I've come to peace with God. And so, this evening, as I close this section of our time together, I would like to just give an opportunity, just quietly there where you are seated right now, to pray with anybody that may say, I want to come to peace with God. I want to experience that peace of knowing that I I'm with God. He's with me. He is my God. And He lives with me. He dwells with me. And that from that place, God can begin to work His peace in your life. That there can be a sense of inner well-being and of peace that grows from that. And that you can come into a space of peace with other people. And live and be a peacemaker. Because the scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they are the true sons of God. You and I can be the peacemakers, but only because we had peace first. So can I ask us to close our eyes and let's pray together. If you recognize tonight is the time where you would want to make that choice, make that decision to say, Lord Jesus, I want to come into peace with you. Can I ask you right now, as I, as I lead all of us in a prayer, if you'll just raise your hand and, and just say, this is me. I'm praying this prayer tonight. And I want to come at peace with God. Thank you for those that are raising their hands. Just, just raise your hands all over this place.
There are many that are raising their hands. Can we together pray this? And I'd like you to ask you that as, you, as we pray, you pray this out loud with me, particularly those that have their hands raised, but all of us together so that we can support them. Just say this, dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I was in rebellion against you. That I was at war with you. But tonight, I choose to become your friend. To enter under your rule. I give you my life, Jesus. And thank you that you give me peace. In Jesus' name. Thank you right now, Lord. That I am your child in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Won't you give those that prayed this prayer just a really good round of applause? There were many hands that were raised. If you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you at some point to get in contact with somebody that's a believer. You're welcome to come to church here and say to somebody, I, I want to live that life of a follower of Jesus. And we would love to help you in that. But right now, we're going to end our time together in this facility, but it's not the end of our evening. What we would like to do is to actually move from here and go to the, this side of our property where we have a beautiful view over the eastern part of our city. And in line with the scripture, that's where Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and then says, you are the light. We want to go pray for our city. And I would like to invite you to join us as we do that. Once I've finished the service and dismissed our time together here, and I really want to thank you for coming, and I trust that most of you would, and all of you, if you can, can join us there, that I would like to ask you that as we end the service, you're going to make your way down to the right-hand side of the property to there's a cross with the red ribbons that you may have seen. We're going to gather over there. The way you can get there is through the main uh, exit doors here in the main uh, foyer. That will be the best way to use. But there's also a side entrance here at our uh, minor auditorium. And some can also slip. If Perhaps if you're seated on this side, you can go out that way. The road's going to be closed on Hope Street here between the, the YPF and the Functions Hall. So there will be no cars that will be driving so that everybody can cross that road safely. On your way out, there's two things that you need to look out for. The first is an opportunity for you to give. And uh, we will have some of our team, some of our ushers standing with our regular offering baskets at the exits. And if you want to give something this evening and just continue to worship the Lord with an offering, particularly in this time of the year, and just thank the Lord for His goodness, you can make use of that opportunity. And I'd like to ask you to give and uh, just love the Lord in that way. Then there would be a second place with a second group of volunteers that will be standing and they will be handing out a little bit of a sweet treat for each person with a card attached to it, which is a little, just a Christmas message. Um, and so I'd like to ask you to keep out your eyes for both and uh, whether you're joining us down there or not, those are available. And as you go out, please make sure that you pick up the little gift that is there for you. Uh, there's one per person and uh, particularly parents, will you just make sure that your child uh, is safe with that sweet treat and can also enjoy that. And so 
Once we're down there in a couple of minutes, probably about 10 minutes from now, then I will, cause us, uh, I will call us to gather there, and then we're going to sing a few more songs, a few more carols down there together, and then we're going to pray. It's not going to be a very long, but we'll probably be together for 15 minutes or so. But we'd love to in, ask you to join us there. It's such a beautiful, cool evening outside, so please come and be with us. Can I pray and end this time together? And Thank you for joining us, and uh, trust that the Lord blesses you over this uh, holiday season, and if you get time to spend with your loved ones and do some special things, may you really enjoy that and find the joy of the Lord in that also. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a beautiful evening together of celebration and of considering and thinking about Jesus and who Jesus is to us and even being able to worship you. I pray, Lord, that as we go down into the, uh, on the side of the property and pray for our city, that you will continue to be with us. We bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.